Lord God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just really intervene uh, to, into the homes of each and every single one of us right now. Father, I ask that your word will go forth. I ask that your spirit will permeate our hearts, O God, that we would truly hear the word that you have to say to us today, O God. Father, I pray that you would humble me at this moment, O God, and I would allow that my voice, my lips are connected to your heart and that your word will speak and change hearts and change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Verses 1 to 2. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 2. You can open up your Bibles to that area, or you can even tap on the screen, and you'll find the Bible there for you. And it reads, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Mennonites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Verse 2. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazen Tamar, that is in En Gidi. Today, I want to use as a title, Winning the Battle Against the Unknown. Winning the Battle Against the Unknown. This week, as I was watching the news, it was interesting to hear how the newscasters identified the virus as an unknown enemy. And so the question that is around the world for everyone and even for us as believers is, how are we going to win this battle? How are we going to win this war against the unknown? Now, I don't want to narrow our talk for today to only simply answering the question, how are we going to face this pandemic? Because for some of us online today, we may have fears that are connected to the virus, But for others of us, we have some fears that are in other areas of our lives where you already are experiencing a battle in some of these things. For some of us, maybe it's a battle at work, a battle in our finances, a battle in our marriage. So through this passage here today, I believe that there are some steps for us to navigate through our fears to ultimately win the battle from the unknown areas in our lives. And just to give you some background, Right here in verse 1, it lets us know a few things. First off, it says that the Moabites, the Ammonites, or some of the Mennonites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So right off the back, we see three enemies that decide to gang up against the nation of Israel. And the first thing I see from this is that the odds are not in the favor of the people of Israel. It's a three to one odd. So these odds are overwhelming the people. They have put the people on alarm and the people are afraid at this moment. But one thing that you should know in addition to all of that is that Jehoshaphat, which is the king during this time, Jehoshaphat had a faith that was greater than fear. Now, the reason why I say that Jehoshaphat had a faith that was greater than fear is because verse 1 begins with, after this. Uh, After this. When you read the previous chapters, you will find that before this moment, before chapter 20, there was an enormous spiritual revival that took place. A spiritual revival that shook the nation of Israel. And I believe that this is a fact of life where we can learn a few things from it. Because anytime you have a spiritual high where things are going great, you also need to be mindful that there will be other times where you would, ex- there will be times where you would experience a low moment, a low point in life 
after that experience. But the truth is, regardless of the high and low moments of life, the question I really want to ask you is, what is your natural reaction when things happen? When when you feel the effects of the unseen, when things catch you off guard, similar to how we, of the question that we asked last week, how do you respond to certain things? When we look at verse 2, it says that some people came to King Jehoshaphat and they told him, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. And verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat was alarmed. Now, I want us to understand that when you are alarmed, it's a typical reaction. When, when you face a crisis or the unexpected happens and takes place, fear initially is normal. When, when things fall apart and things are, end up going out of control, a normal initial reaction is to be alarmed, is to be afraid. And I want to let you know today that that is okay as your initial reaction. Why? Because you're human. That makes you normal. But the bigger question I want to ask you today is, what do you do with the fear after it comes? That, that's the question I have for you today. What do you do with the fear after it comes? Do you become discouraged? Do you give up? Do you just accept it as this is part of life? When fear comes, are you intimidated? Or the bigger question is, is your faith motivated? When fear comes, are you intimidated or is your faith motivated? In our story today, in the book of Second Chronicles, we can tell that the people's faith was motivated because of the steps that they took away from fear when they heard that these three massive armies were coming towards them. And today, I want to use the steps that they took to help us increase our faith in the time of fear. When our fear wants to increase, what are the steps that we can take to increase our faith. Step number one, tune into God. Let's look at verse three and four. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Verse four, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town to Judah to seek him. You see, right here in your Bible, or even while you're online, I want you to write the word in the chat, inquire. Write the word inquire. You see, the word inquire, it means to tune into God. And that's my question for you today. Are you tuned into God? In this season that you're in, are you tuned into God? You see, whenever there's a major problem, a major crisis, or a major issue that takes place in your life, when you, can you ask yourself the question, are you tuned into God? What what does that mean, tuning into God? Tuning into God means that you're asking God, God, what is your perspective on this? God, help me understand how you see this. Help me understand what I need to see in the midst of this. Help me try to understand why I'm going through this, why this is happening around in my life. The verse continues and says that while they were getting God's perspective, they proclaimed a fast. In church, a Fasting is when you voluntarily decide to go without certain things. Fasting is a discipline that allows you to tune into God more in comparison to the way that you were normally walking in your normal pace of life. 
And that's why I believe that during this time where people are quarantining themselves, I believe that it's a perfect environment for us as the people of God to tune into God. You see, this notion of social distancing is for people, but it's also for, to help us protect ourselves against the possibility of contracting this virus. But this does not mean that there should be any social distancing between you and the Lord, between you and God. No, no, no. This is the time. This is the season for you to lean into God's voice, lean into God's heartbeat. This is this is when your isolation really becomes a season of consecration between you and God. When you tune into God, that's when you hear God the most. That's when you hear God the best. So number one, step one is tune into God. Step two is pray about the problem. I know it sounds easy, but let's dive deeper into this. As as you read verses, as you look through verses five to 12, this is Jehoshaphat's prayer to the Lord. But what I I want you to see is really starting in verse five. It starts off and says, King Jehoshaphat went and stood before them six, excuse me, stood stood before them in verse six and prayed aloud. So here it is. The people gathered together. They tuned into God. They're, they're, They're asking God, God, we want to hear your voice. What are you doing through this? What are you trying to tell us? What is going on? And they began to pray. And the truth is, prayer should really be our first choice, our first response when we face trials and issues and crisis in our lives and not our last resort. So for us here at Vive City Chapel, we are going to continue to put prayer as a priority. So over the next few days, you'll, you'll see, you begin to see that all throughout all our social media platforms, we'll be posting prayers daily at 12 o'clock at noon. There will be daily prayers that's posting at noon. In addition to that, we will resume our Thursday night prayers. Thursday night prayers. So you can still stay at the luxury of your home and watch us stream our Thursday night prayers as we bring a word of comfort and we seek the face of God. In in addition to that, we are also establishing a prayer line as well so that we can really begin to come together as a people and seek the face of God and knock on heaven's door. We'll, we'll list all the information for you on the chat right, right where you are so you can have that so that we can really come together as the people of God. Because this is the time for us to seek God more than ever before. So I want to encourage you to join in with us either online or even on, on the phone as we knock on heaven's door, seek God's face for this time and this season that we are in. As we continue looking into this story in this, this passage, what I find interesting is that Jehoshaphat not only prays, but Jehoshaphat prays a powerful prayer in a very practical way. And I believe this is a this is the, his format of prayer really is, 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 is something that can help us build our faith during this season where so many people are fearful and afraid of what's going on. Now, Jehoshaphat's prayer really revolves around three different questions. The first question we find in verse 6, he asks, are you not? The second question in verse 7, he asks, did you not? The third question he asks in verse 12 is, will you not? So he's talking to God. He's praying to God in the form of three different questions. 
the first question, verse 6. Are you not God in heaven? You rule all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. The first thing that we should be doing when we are praying is that we must remind ourselves of who God is. We must remind ourselves of who God is. Are you not the God in heaven? Didn't you make this place? Didn't you make this universe that we know that and that we live in? If you made it because we know that we should also believe that you can handle this coronavirus. We also should believe that you can be able to handle our finances, our issues with our family, with our spouse and our children. We need to believe and know who you are as the God that lives and that overshadows each and every single one of us. So our starting point in prayer should really be a moment and a time where we thank God and we remind ourselves of who God is. When we acknowledge who God is, then you can believe what God can do. Jehoshaphat, he starts off. First question, are you not? He's reminding himself who God is. Second question, verse 7. Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land? Before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Right here, he's basically saying, do you remember all the things that you did in the past? God, do you remember? And I believe this is a a key point and a key area in our lives where we should always remember what God has done for us. We should take the time out not only to remind ourselves of who God is, but also remind ourselves of all the things that God has done in our past. You see, when you are going through a crisis or facing a a tough time, one of the ways to build your faith is to intentionally take time and remember all the things that God has done for you and your family. Jehoshaphat says, God, I know who you are, but I've also known what you have done in the past. The third question he raises in verse 12, will you not judge them? Basically what he's saying right here, God, won't you do it again? (laughs) In, in, In other words, he's saying, God, I'm looking for an instant replay. I want to see another performance from you. God, God, I know who you are. I know what you've done. And I also know that you can do it again. Family, this this is the way that we should pray. And I believe when we pray like this, this increases our faith to go beyond our fear. This is the season where as believers that we need to be praying for our cities, our nation, our leaders, our healthcare workers. Because God promises to do some things when his people pray. So step one, we say tune into God. Step two, you've got to pray. Step three, you have to admit your need. Admit that you need help. Confess your inability, your inadequacy to solve problems. Verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? He he says, God, I I want to see a replay. I want you to do it again. Why? Continue. Because for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Basically, he's saying we don't have what it takes. And for many of us here today, we know that we need God. But for too too many times, we act the opposite. We try to achieve things out of our own strength. 
our own knowledge, our own abilities, instead of really relying on God. And as long as you feel like you can fix this, you can fix that, you can do things apart from God, the truth is God will permit you, God will allow you to do so. Because what you see as personal strength, God sees as pride. And pride blinds you from everything God wants to do in you. Pride blinds you from everything that God wants to do through you. Pride blinds you from everything that God wants to do for you and around you. We, church, need to get to a place and to a posture where we can admit flat out, God, I need you. I don't have the power. I don't have what it takes. I need you. Over the past few days, I've been on a few calls with state government officials. And it's been interesting to hear how these elected government officials, these lawmakers on this call, they're reciting scriptures. They're asking for prayer. Because the truth is, they've reached a place and they've reached a moment where they don't know what to do. They, they, they've reached a place where they, they don't know what route or what steps to take. This is why you hear differing um, thoughts or solutions from the federal government to the state, to the city and the county. Everyone's saying something different. And one official just came out and says, guys, we just need God to intervene. Church, family, you've got to get to a point where you admit that you can't do it. And believe that God can. Step one, tune into God. Step two, you've got to pray. Step three, admit your need. Step four, focus on God, not your problems. Focus on God, not your problems. Verse 12, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You see, their problem was that they did not have a solution for, for, for these three armies that was coming towards them. But they did not sit around and cry and complain and just talk about it. But the Bible says that they turn their attention, they turn their focus onto God. You see, the issue for many of us that we run into is that we place more of an emphasis on our problems more than emphasizing the God over our problems. Because when you, all you do is focus on the circumstances, focus on the problems, it ultimately gets you down. It discourages, discourages you to the point of defeat. And so you've got to realize that every single day there is always going to be a problem that is competing for your attention and seeking for you to focus on it, seeking for you to maximize it, seeking for you to make it be the, become the focus of your day. And as it's doing that, it's increasing the spirit of fear inside of you. I, I, I know, I know what, what some of you Christians are saying right there. Well, pastor, um, God did not give us the spirit of fear and you are absolutely correct. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but that doesn't mean CNN didn't give it to you. That doesn't mean Fox didn't give it to you. That doesn't mean social media didn't give it to you. That doesn't mean the opinions and thoughts of other people didn't give it to you. Each and every single one of these outlets will increase the fear inside of us. So you've got to get to terms with the fact that there are just some things that are outside of your control. There are some problems you cannot fix today. Some problems you cannot fix tomorrow. Some problems you cannot fix this year. Some problems you will never be able to fix. 
So you can't sacrifice your energy. You can't sacrifice your time. You can't sacrifice your, your focus on these problems. Jehoshaphat is aware that the army is coming towards <clears throat> him. But the thing that I appreciate is that he doesn't ignore the fact that they're coming. He just chooses and decides to not focus on the army that's coming as a problem, but focus on what God is doing. I appreciate this. Corey Ten Boom says, she says, <clears throat> if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. You will definitely be. Because of all the things that you see on social media and the news, it will put you in distress. She continues and says, if you look within, you'll be depressed. Because if you look at yourself and the, your failures, if you look at your, your, how flawed you are and all your shortcomings, it will put you into depression. And she ends the quote, if you look at God, you'll be at rest. Oh, that's so good right there. If you look at God, you'll be at rest because God knows how to handle the things that we cannot. God knows how to handle the things that stress us out. So the question is, what are you focused on? The question is, what are your eyes glued to? Are you more focused on this virus and allowing the reality of it to deplete you, to drain you, and to discourage you, and to defeat you? Or are you more focused on the reality of God's power to fill you with his peace, to bring rest in your mind in the midst of this situation that you cannot control? So in order to switch your focus from your problem to God, the news can't be the first thing you turn on in the morning. In order to switch your focus from your problem to God, social media can't be the only thing that you get your information from. You've got to create room and space for God throughout your day to readjust your focus, to realign your focus towards him. And when you fix your focus on God, then that allows you to be in alignment to hear from God. What does God say <clears throat> after this prayer? This is God's response, verse 15. He said, listen, <clears throat> King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Oh, my God. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Oh, I love this. Basically what God's trying to say, newsflash, baby. This is not your battle. This is not your battle. And I believe that's a word for us today. This is not your battle. Can you just write that in the chat? This is not my battle. Because the moment you become a Christian, the moment you become a follower of Jesus Christ, all of your issues, all of your problems, they no longer are yours, but they are transferred onto God and God takes a hold of it. So what does that mean? Your marriage, the, 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 the marriage problems you're having, that's not your, that's not your problem. That's God's problem. If, if you're having financial problems, guess whose problem with this? It's God's problem. This coronavirus issue, guess whose problem with this? It's God's problem. You see, this is what we got to get to. We've got to get to the place where we understand that this is not my battle to fight. This is not my battle to stress over. This is not my battle to worry over. But I've got to give this over to God. And God says, this is my battle. Why? Because you're my children. This is my battle because you're my nation. You are my people. God is fighting this battle. 
I pray that we understand this. I pray that we grab hold of this because this is what overwhelms many of us and why we are burnt out. Why so many of us go towards fear instead of faith is because we try to act like it's our battle. We try to work things out based on our own creativity, but it wears us down because it's not our battle to fight. And God is really just waiting for you to release your control over to him. So step one, tune into God. Step two, pray. Step three, admit your need of God. Step four, focus on God. Step five, surround yourself with support. Surround yourself with support. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. This this is what I want us to get here, and, and if you can really get this picture, is that everybody got involved. Why? Because everybody recognized that they all needed a miracle. Everybody recognized that they all needed God to work on their behalf. The kids, the grandparents, the aunts and the uncles, they all got involved. In other words, nobody went through this by themselves. Because when moments of crisis comes into our lives, you can't do life by yourself. This is why in the beginning I said that social distancing should not mean isolation. Because in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of what's going on, that's when your real community is revealed. In the, in the midst of the situation that you're in, that's when the dynamics of the relationship is exposed in the family. The other day, my wife <clears throat> came to me and said, um, so babe, when are we going to have a family day? And in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, well, I'm here every day. I may be in my office, but I'm here every day. No. You see, it's during these seasons and during these moments, this is when you bridge the gap, close the gap between you and your kids. This is when you close the gap in your marriage. This is when you close the emotional gap between your friends and your loved ones. And in the story of Jehoshaphat, we learn that God never meant for us to face crisis alone. This is why you have a community, the the body of Christ, the church. As a church, we are supposed to build each other up, encourage each other, lift each each other up, pray for one another, support one another. Church, I really want us to get this and understand that social distancing is not isolation, but it's a season to grow deeper in the right community. So what are the steps? Step one, tune into God. Step two, pray. Step three, admit your need of God. Step four, focus on God. Step five, surround yourself with support. Step six, which is the last one, relax in faith. Verse 17 says, you will not have to fight this battle, but check this out. Notice, take up your positions, stand firm. And see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. I want you to think about this. God says, this is not your battle. This is my battle. You don't have to fight this battle. But I'm going to give you a strange, interesting battle strategy. But but all I need you to do is to relax so that you can trust me. And when you trust me, you'll allow, you'll accept, excuse me, you'll accept to do the things that don't, doesn't normally make sense to other people. 
So God says, I need you to relax so that you can trust me. Because when I ask you to do something that doesn't make sense, you'll still do it because you trust me. I believe this is a word for us to hear even today in the midst of this global pandemic. Because when I first arrived to this church and I saw everything that needed to get done, things that need to get done to get things up and running for a relaunch, the greatest advice that I received from someone was to relax. That, that, That was the best advice that I got was relax and let God build his church. You see, church, I need to understand the word relax, it means to be receptive. Because when you relax, you let go of trying to control everything. Stop doing, stop planning, stop figuring things out. And instead, you listen so that you can receive your next instruction or your, for your next move. Jehoshaphat relaxes to, to listen and receive God's command which is in verse 17. God says, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give to you. That phrase, stand firm, it's a, <clears throat> it's a mental attitude of a quiet confidence. You see, this is the attitude that we must have while we are waiting on a breakthrough, knowing that God will bring us through this pandemic or God is going to bring you through whatever trial or situation or difficulty that you're facing. We've got to stand firm because it's not our battle. I want to make sure that I'm clear and that we are all on the same page. Standing in faith does not mean that you ignore the problem, you ignore the situation, you ignore the, 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 <clears throat> the, the, the crisis. No, 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 that, that does, that's not what it means. Really what it means is that you don't allow the problem to dictate your decisions, to dictate your actions, to dictate your posture. But standing firm means that I'm going to trust God. Let's see what Jehosh- how Jehoshaphat stands firm. Verse 20. Listen to me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Trust in the eternal one, your true God, not in your own abilities, and you will be supported. Put your trust in his words that you heard through the prophets, and you will succeed. In other words, standing firm in faith. That's what brings success. That's what brings stability in the season of crisis. So in in order for me to stand firm, I must first, number one, stand on God's character, knowing who God is, the eternal true God, the faithfulness of God. I stand firm, number two, in the truth of God's word. God's word needs to speak louder than everyone else's opinion. What is God saying to you in this season? How is God leading you? Are you standing firm while everyone is going crazy? Everyone is, 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 is worried. Everyone is, 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 is afraid. Are you standing firm in God's character and God's word? Maybe one of the things that you need to do while everything is going on right now Maybe it's step one, tune into God. Or maybe for you in this season, it's step two. Maybe it's, it's time for you to, you know, turn off social media and to really just pray. Or for some of us, maybe it's step three. You've been trying to do everything on your own, in your own strength, in your own abilities. And God's like, I've got this. But I need you to admit that you need 
maybe a step four. You've been focusing on everything CNN says, everything Fox says. God's like, I need you to focus on me. Maybe a step five. You've took this, <clears throat> this thing of isolation so serious that you don't call anyone, you don't text anyone. No, you need to be around other believers. Who are you texting? Who are you calling? Maybe a step six. You just need to relax. Relax. And what is God asking of you? Where is God leading you? What is he requesting of you?